Hallelujah. Tell the person next to you, you're in the best place you could be tonight. The house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 8, if you'd get your Bibles open, I want to preach a word to you tonight and, and give a testimony. I'm also, as you're getting your Bibles open, don't forget this Sunday is Mission Sunday. Amen. Reminding you, Mission Sunday for Kenya. So bring your change and bring your offering. We're going to continue to sow seed into that. Uh, looking forward to August in that conference. We're going to be a blessing to them in our ch different churches in, in, in Nairobi and all around the country of Kenya. So don't forget that on, on Sunday. If anybody wants to dress in their African stuff, go ahead. Amen. Or if you're not from Africa, dress missions anyways. Amen. However you want to dress. We've got lots of countries represented in our church, which is a blessing. Amen. Praise God. Luke chapter 8. I'm going to read a verse here in just a second, but I want to kind of preach a, a message, uh, testify about what the Lord did in this revival I just preached in Denver. How many know Pastor Marshall and Sharice? Amen. They're a mighty, mighty couple for God. They're really some of my heroes. Most of you know that. I, I admire and look up to them so much. They have been through uh, things that most people in their life, if, if you've been through some rough things um, and you want to feel better about yourself, just go talk to Pastor Marshall and Sharice, and you'll feel better about your situation. Um, many, many years ago, um, I was in Costa Rica with, with Pastor Jones in the vehicle with him, and we got a call from Pastor Paul that Pastor Marshall's 17-year-old son had just took his life and, and killed himself with a gun. And so you can only imagine, only imagine what that's like for a pastor to have a child take their own life. And uh, I I'll never forget it, just, just being devastated by that call. And uh, we were really, really worried. I was worried, and many of us in our fellowship were really worried about Pastor Marshall because he comes from a really, really rough background. And, uh, and we just thought, you know, the devil could take advantage of that, and he so easily could have. He so easily could have uh, gone crazy, or they could have ended up getting divorced. You know, when, when, a, when a family loses a child... It, it's very hard on the marriage. And statistically, a lot of marriages don't make it through that, especially when the kids are younger. And uh, I just watched that couple. You know, it doesn't mean that they, that they they didn't have a struggle. It was a struggle, times of depression and times of struggle. But I just watched them continue to preach the gospel and to continue to serve the Lord and to continue to stay the course. And that's 17, that's been about 17 years ago, amen, and he's still serving God, amen, still preaching the gospel, still doing things for the Lord, and, and that's for his glory, amen. So I really, really look up to them and admire him and, and uh, just thank God that he is now pastoring. He's been a pastor for a long time, but he was the breakaway leader at our home church, and if anybody's ever heard of breakaway, he is the one that started that ministry in our home church, so he was the breakaway pastor for over 20 years, and that's a long time to be doing the same thing. And then a year and a half ago, the opportunity happened for uh, him to go and take a church that was really struggling in downtown Denver in a very rough area. Uh, if anybody's familiar with Denver, it's right on Federal, which is right downtown, and it's in a really, really rough area. And uh, they took that church over and had about 17 people when they got there, and it was, it was there were some real struggles with the prior pastors, and, and they took that, and uh, God began to work that church, and they began to grow, and uh, praise God, this last revival, we were able to see record attendance, amen, in their church services, the most they've ever seen over this last weekend, 
So God really moved. And in the three days, 17 people got saved in this revival. Amen. 17 people came forward for salvation for the glory of God. Amen. So that's an exciting, exciting thing. And so I want to I read here um, a, a story in the book of Luke. And then I want to give a little testimony. And I want to continue to challenge us to believe tonight that we have a transformed life. How many have a transformed life in here tonight? Let me see your hand if your life has been transformed. If you're not raising your hand, then I want to see God transform your life. I believe God can transform your life. If Maybe you're in the middle. Okay, maybe you're in the middle. I, I do believe there are people who say, I'm a Christian, because that's easy to say. Say that with me. I'm a Christian. I wasn't hard. I'm a Christian. People can say they're a Christian, but I believe biblically if you say you're a Christian, your life should be transformed. Because the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians that if, we, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The Bible says also that if we are, a new, if we are in Christ and we're a new creation, all the old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become what? New and so there should be a newness in our life. That does not mean we're perfect. That does not mean we have arrived because we will never arrive till we get to heaven. But it means there's a transformation. Amen. Have ever, how many have ever seen a car be fixed up or something antique restored? We are a transformation tonight, and our lives have been transformed. And that is what the gospel's about. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be being transformed, and we're supposed to be transforming other people's lives. Amen? That is the gospel tonight. So let's look at Luke chapter 8, verse 26. Very familiar scripture. Many of you will know it. It says, Then they sailed, Luke chapter 8, verse 26, to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite of Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, I beg you, do not torment me. Now, I want to say something real quick as I continue to read. We need to recognize in our lives the power of Jesus Christ in our lives that, that lives in us. The Bible says if that, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, it will quicken our mortal bodies. Jesus Christ lives in us. How many believe that? If our life has been transformed and it's not just a head knowledge, Jesus lives inside of us. His power lives inside of us. And the Bible says, Jesus said, greater works will you do in my name. Amen. And so I want you to recognize here in this scripture that what's happening is this man is crying out to Jesus, but it is not the man that is crying out to Jesus. Sometimes you think, maybe, erroneously, that the demons of darkness have a hold on you and they're greater than, than Jesus in your life or you can't help yourself or you can't control yourself or you can't fix the problem in your life. I want you to know that Jesus Christ in your life is recognized by the demons of darkness. Because as he's walking up to this man, it is not him in his mind that is recognizing Jesus. It is the demons inside of him 
that says Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High God. Did y'all read that with me? He says, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice, verse 28, said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, watch this, do not torment me. That's how you know it's the devil speaking because Jesus did not come to torment people. He came to torment the spirits of darkness. And so he says these words and the demons, and we'll see here in a second, you might say, how can demons be speaking as as one? There were so many demons in this man that he had one name called Legion. The Bible says a legion of demons is 2,000 demons. That's a lot of demons. And this man was oppressed. This man was not in his right mind, the Bible says. This man was lost. And he was so lost. You know, here in the States, I always say this, we have dignified lost people. Dignified drug addicts and dignified, you know, where where you can hold down a job and be an alcoholic or hold down a job and be a drug addict. And then sometimes then they get to the streets or whatever. But this man, he, he, he wasn't holding a job and he wasn't living in a house. He was living in the cemetery and most of the time was naked and not clothed. And he was basically so tormented by the devil that he was like an animal, basically. Now let's read on in verse 29. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Church, he is so bound by demons that they have to send him out to the, to the cemetery and bind him with chains. I won't go into this whole story, but some of you have heard me told that that's not the direction I want to go tonight. But I have seen a man, and God used me, praise God, to lead a man to the Lord, that when they got him and they found him, his name was Rudy in Costa Rica, and they arrested him. It was a man I visited in prison for two years. Every Thursday, he got saved miraculously, praise God. But when when they arrested that man, it took an entire SWAT team to get him, and when they went into the room to arrest him, they, he was so dangerous to society that his family and people around him had had him. He was chained to the bed. I mean, this is real stuff. He was a menace to society. I mean, he, it took, they shut the entire uh, block down to arrest this man. And so I've seen that with my own eyes. I've looked in the eyes of that person as he was in prison before he knew Jesus. And some of you have heard me tell that story. That's not for tonight. But I want you to understand that that demon power is real, but greater is he that is in us than that demon power that's in the world. Can you say that with me tonight? Greater is he that is in us than that demon power that is in the world. Now you heard it again. I want you to say it one more time with me. Greater is he that is in us than that demon power that's in the world. Do you believe that? We must believe that. We have to be a church that understands the power of God. And so this man is bound in chains and shackles and would break the bonds, verse 29, and was driven out. Now, verse 30, Jesus comes to him and says, what is your name? Now, I want you to understand something. He's not asking this man's regular name. He knows his name. He also knows the other name. We know anything Jesus asks is not because he doesn't know it. 
But he's not asking this man's regular name. He is speaking to the demonic forces and asking the name. And watch what he says. He says, Legion, because many demons had entered him. So, again, just to reiterate, he is not talking to this man. Okay, you have to understand that. I want you to understand that in your life. Maybe your own personal life. I'm, listen, I'm not saying you have demons tonight, but there's demon oppression. You, you can be oppressed by demons and not be filled with demons. You can have sp- demonic spirits around your life, and, and, and they can be oppressing you. But, but he is not speaking to this man. He is speaking to the spirit. Maybe when you are, are dealing with something in your life or somebody, you need to understand you're not dealing with a person, not to justify what they're doing, but you're dealing with a demonic spirit. You're dealing with a force of darkness that has overtaken a person's life. Watch this. Think about this. As we looked at transformed life tonight, when when we got saved and gave Christ our life, what happened to us? We were overtaken by Christ. Our mind, our body, our thoughts, our actions was overtaken by Jesus. It's no longer I that live, Paul said, but Christ who lives in me. And so it's the opposite when a man or woman does not have Christ in their life and they open the door, just like we open the door for Jesus to come in and be Lord of our life. People open the door for the devil to come into their lives and then demons run their life and they, and, they, and, they, and they do things for them and, and they speak for them. So Jesus is speaking to the Spirit. If you want to see a change in your life tonight, start learning to speak to the Spirit and not the person. Did you catch that? Don't speak to the person. Speak to the spirit. So, example, you're praying, you're praying for somebody who's sick. And, and, and that person, let's say that person has cancer. Why would I pray and say, oh, Lord, touch, touch Susie tonight. Touch her body. Why don't I speak to the spirit that's in her body that's making her sick? Father, I speak to the spirit of cancer. That's why it's important that we know the spirits, recognize the spirits. The Bible tells us that. And we need to pray more definite definition prayers. Now, I'm going to go through this quick because I could take weeks on this. Let's move forward. So he says, what's your name? He says, Legion. And verse 31, they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. And then a herd of many swine was feeding them there on the mountain. So they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he, and he permitted them, meaning the demons have to find a place to go. When they get cast out of somebody, those demons have to go somewhere. So they have to go find a place, so he permitted them to go in the pigs. How many know that would cause a major problem to the person who owned those pigs? Then the demons went out of the man, entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake, and drowned, and watch this, those who fed them saw what had happened and fled and told it to the city and in the country. So they took, God took a real bad thing for that businessman and turned them into evangelists. Amen? How many know when God heals somebody, sets somebody free, delivers somebody, that person becomes an evangelist? Amen. An evangelist. And sometimes it's the drug dealer who becomes the evangelist as he begins to say, man, my, my pusher ain't out there dr- selling drugs no more. This person ain't. They become the evangelist. God can kill a lot of birds with one stone. He can do a lot of things with one thing. So uh, before I finish this story, God really, really moved powerfully in this revival. 
And I want to tell a story in just a moment about one, one man that uh, God really touched. But there, there was many miracles. God did many miracles, touched many bodies. Uh, one particular woman came forward. I remember she, Friday or Saturday night, she came in with a mask on. Not an oxygen mask, but a mask just to cover her face. And uh, she was an, uh, an older lady. I don't know what age exactly, maybe 60s, 70s. I don't know exactly. But she was bent over, and she just could barely walk. You could tell she was in a lot of pain. Sat down in the front, listened to the message, and at the end, uh, I don't remember what I preached that night, but we prayed for healing, and that woman came forward by faith, and we prayed for her, and God touched her, and she threw that mask off and began to jump up and down and move her arms around, and she was just totally, miraculously healed of all that pain and all that suffering that she was in. She stood up straight. And then, and then the next day she came back, and she was smiling from ear to ear, amen. She was just so happy to be out of that pain. I didn't get a chance to ask her how, how long she'd been in that condition, but I thank God for that. But Friday night, this is the testimony I want to show you, tell you tonight. And I want to thank you for allowing me to go preach when God opens the doors. Although I'm thanking you without asking you because I'm going to go whether you let me go or not. Just want to thank you for, for letting me go. Just being cordial. Amen. I'm going to go do what God wants me to do and I answer to God. Amen. Just like I came here to Denton to start this church, I answered God. So don't get mad. Get glad when I go preach somewhere else because God opens the door. Don't make me stay there too long. Okay. Can we move on? All right, all right. Remember, I told you when I go preach somewhere else, it's like when someone comes here and they bless us and people get saved. So I, God's got, God uses me, praise God. So I went, and on a Friday night was the first night I preached, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday. And I got there, and I, whenever I go preach in a different city, I'm always praying. You know, I take some messages, I prepare, but you don't really know what you're going to face, what God wants you to speak until you get there. And so I, you know, I'm praying all day. I got there real early Friday. Uh, on an early flight, and uh, pray and stuff. So the service starts, we get there, and I had a message in my spirit that I was going to preach. And many times, I've told you this, many times the Lord has changed my message of what I'm going to preach. Uh, you get to that place where you just trust God, and if he changes it, you just go with it. Um, but usually he'll change it at least a few minutes before service. He'll give me a little bit of time to get some kind of a thought process before I get up to preach. And so I'm sitting back at the back, and Pastor Marshall's introducing me, and I've got, you know, I've got, got my mind on what I'm going to preach and how I'm going to start and everything. And, and as he says, let's, let's, you know, let's thank God for Pastor Blake, and I start coming up. As I'm walking from the back to the front, he changes my message. Like walking to the pulpit. It's a scary thing. And I was going to preach something else, and I felt led to preach a little bit of my testimony, and I don't even remember everything that I said. I was just really being led by the Holy Spirit, different things. I didn't say everything. I said a few details, but I know it was the Holy Spirit, um, and so I preached that message and then gave an altar call, and there was these two men that were there, and they were um, strong-looking men, but, but they didn't look, they looked strong, but they didn't look good, if that makes sense. They looked like they were troubled, and uh, saw them coming forward for salvation, and uh, they, met, they both said the sinner's prayer. And one of these men's name was Will. And he was a son, and his father's name was Bill. And so after the service, we prayed for them and everything. He really got touched. They were weeping at the altar. Um, we went upstairs. They have a second floor. And they have, were selling some burritos because they're raising money for their teens to go to camp as well, which is exciting. I think they're sending four or five teenagers to camp. So they were raising some money, selling some burritos. So I, I went upstairs, and Pastor Manny from Cheyenne, many of you know Pastor Manny, 
Um, he's the one who always says that I'm the tall and he's the short of the gospel. Amen. He's, he, he's about this tall. And, but he's a powerful man of God. Amen. They had driven from Cheyenne to the service. Cheyenne, Wyoming. So it was an hour and a half drive to get there. So Pastor Manny came and he brought these two men. So we went upstairs and um, everybody was fellowshipping. And I, I, I thought, man, I want to catch up with Pastor Manny. So I went to go sit down by him. And I sat down by him, we began to talk, and, and that was the Holy Spirit as well, because I began to talk to him, but then I started talking to these two guys, and they began to share with me what God had done in that service. And the man, Will, said, Pastor, you have no idea. When you said you changed your message tonight, he said it was for me. I know without a doubt it was for me. He said, you began to say stuff that was what I needed to hear, and he began to say that I've been a meth addict for many, many years. And I've been delivered uh, tonight fully, 100%. He said, I stopped for the last time three days ago uh, because I knew this revival was coming. And he came, and he began to share how God touched him that night. He said, but my marriage is on the verge of divorce. My my wife's got the the divorce papers. My kids are angry at me. I'm in bad. I've lost my job. Everything's just bad. But but as he's saying all that, he's smiling at the same time because he felt so good. Amen? Because he felt clean, and he felt saved. And he's sharing this different stuff. And then his dad, um, I mentioned during my testimony at one point that I, many of you know that when I was in Costa Rica as a missionary, I was very bitter at the church. I was very angry at the church. I mean, the church in general, I was frustrated with the church and how when I came into Victory World Outreach, I really found out that there's still a church that, that, that preaches the gospel and loves people and does outreach and, and all those things. And so I shared that and he said, I wasn't listening to you until you mentioned that you were bad, mad at the church. And then all of a sudden, I started listening to the rest of your message. That was the dad. So we got done um, talking to them, and everybody started leaving. And so as we were going to go downstairs, um, I really felt led to pray for this man again. And I just said, I want to, can I pray for you that you'll never touch drugs again, that you'll never go back to this again, that you'll, you'll never struggle with this again? He said, yeah, we were at the door, kind of like just almost about ready to leave. And so me and Pastor Marshall were there, and uh, I, it's been a long time since this has happened. I went to pray for him, and I hadn't even put my hand on his head yet, and it was like a lightning bolt hit him. And he went to, uh, he didn't go, he didn't fall, he fell. Does that make sense? Some, somehow in church, we seem to, seem to fall backwards like that. He went down like a lightning bolt hit him, just, poosh, just to the ground. And he was out for like 10 minutes. But as he went to the ground, he began to cry like a baby, and he began to speak in tongues. He just began to speak in tongues and speak in tongues and speak in tongues. As he's laying on the ground, hands up in the air, crying all, crying all over the place. And like I said, he couldn't move. We just let him there. And I, it seemed like probably 10 minutes. And then when he got up, he, he, he already looked better when we were talking upstairs. But now he just looked like a brand new man. You could just tell something had happened. Amen. His life, something miraculous happened. So we said goodbye. I said, man, you stick with Pastor Manny. Help him stay in church. And I gave him a whole bunch of instructions just how to stay in with God like I do everybody here. Amen. Stay in church. Get in church. Be faithful. So night ended. And the next night, we came back for the Saturday night revival. And the church service starts. And there's more people there. You know, it was building. People were coming more that night. And I, and I look at the door, and here comes this man, Will, again from Cheyenne, Wyoming, an hour and a half away, each way, okay, 
each direction. That's three hours after the service, right? Hour and a half before, hour and a half after. He comes in, but Saturday night, he comes in with his wife and his two kids. And they come in together. And some of you wives know this face. She was really happy. But she was kind of reserved, kind of like, is this real? But she was really happy. And so I preached that night, and we prayed for the sick. We prayed for people at the altar. And then uh, I felt led to call him. I said, Will, I want you to come up here, and I want you to tell the people what happened to you last night. So he got the microphone, and uh, he began to share how he had been on meth for many years and how, you know, all things leading up. He, has, he had died three times, medically died three times, overdosed. And the last time he was in ICU for three days, and they said he wouldn't make it. He'd broken his back one time from being overdosed, absolutely totally broke his back. I and mean, he's a walking miracle, amen? And so he begins to share to the church what God had done and everything, and it just kind of triggered an excitement in that church for other people to believe for their miracle. And then finally, uh, Sunday night, uh, Sunday morning came, and obviously Cheyenne, they had their service that morning. And guess who came back again Sunday night, the third night? This man, Will, with his dad... With his, with, okay, with his wife and his kids, with his dad and his wife and some other visitor, they all came in. So three nights in a row, they drove an hour and a half from Cheyenne. How many know when God's moving, people will drive? People will go where the Lord is moving, amen, where the Spirit of God is. And so I want, I want to show that picture. I took a picture of him. I want you to see this family. Look at, look at that face of that man, Will. Look at that face on the right side, how happy he is, his wife, his two sons, and uh, he's, he's, he's a transformed man, amen. I just want to share that tonight of what God did. And then the divorce papers were torn up. They're not getting a divorce anymore, amen. So praise God. You can put the other one back on. And as I begin to finish this, why do I say this? I want to remind us. Listen, some of you are saying, hey, man, we, have, we see this all the time. Thank God for that. Don't take for granted of all the testimonies in this place. Amen? All the people here who are representing a transformed life, that's what, that's what this world cannot buy. This world does not have that. When you, what God has done for you. Now, I want to finish with what God has done for you. Watch this. Let's pick back up here. Um, anybody know the last verse I was in? I believe it was in 34. So the man who's watching the pigs gets mad and goes and flees, flees and tells the city and the, and the country what happened. And they went out to see what had happened. I mean, can you imagine seeing 2,000 pigs run into a lake? That'd be pretty crazy. And then someone comes and tells you that they were full of demons. Right? Some people think pigs are full of demons anyways. And found the man who came, who, the man, watch this, verse 35, found the man who from the demons had what? Departed. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. That's why I said from the very beginning, he was not talking to that man. He was talking to the demons, the spirits. He was not in his right mind. Those demons were recognizing him. And then it says, uh, and here's the funny thing, and they were afraid. I think our society is more used to seeing the person strung out on drugs or, 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 or panhandling at the street corner or full of alcohol than to see him set free. 
But can you imagine if these, if these people knew this man, which they would have known him, can you imagine seeing that, that man full of 2,000 demons, someone who's out in the cemetery cutting himself, that Mark 5 says he cut himself also, and, and locked in chains, breaking chains, shackles everywhere, and now this man is sitting clothed at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. Amen. Some people, listen, until they meet Jesus, have never been in their right mind. Amen. Have never been in their right mind. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I believe there's some people here tonight that you are not in your right mind till you met Jesus. Amen. And then he says, the Bible says, verse 37, then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. Listen, don't be afraid when God is moving. Can I say that again? Don't be afraid when God is moving. And he got into the boat and returned, and the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away and said, return to your house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. So he tells this man what I want to tell you and remind you tonight. Whatever the Lord has done for you, you need to go and tell people what he's done for you. You need to go and share with the world, this is what the Lord has done for me. Now, listen carefully. Don't take this wrong, but I'm going to be real straightforward with you. If you ain't got nothing to go tell, tonight is your night to get saved. If you don't have nothing to go tell, if the Lord hasn't done nothing for you, you need to get saved. Because when you get saved and Jesus transforms your life, we don't play games anymore. We don't play church anymore. We don't mess around with the things of God. It becomes serious to us. And we, we can't go out one day and not tell somebody about what Jesus has done for us. We can't, be, we, can't, we can't just go through the motions. We say, I got to tell somebody what Jesus has done for me. And Mark 5, you can read it later, verse 20 says that the city he was from was a city called Decapolis, which means ten cities. And the, and the Bible teaches us that that was a very dangerous place that he had to go back to. And that man went back. Some of you, listen, I want to say something very interesting. Some of you have a testimony that a lot of people would love to have. Okay? Meaning, and this is the interesting way to say this, because I'm very careful on this. I still believe, with all my heart, the best testimony is the person who's never drank, never touched drugs, never touched a cigarette, saved their saved themselves to marriage, lived that kind of life. That's the best. Don't ever try to change that, ever. That's still the best testimony because that's the hardest one. That's the hardest one. That's the real one. If you're in here this morning or tonight and that's your testimony, don't, don't be like, oh, man, I ain't got a testimony. That's an amazing testimony. But then some of you have had some rough paths, some rough, rough lives. And, and I think, man, if I had that testimony, there would, I would be telling so many people about that. I think of some of your testimonies. How do you not open your mouth more? Amen. You have been saved by such grace. God has done such a miracle in your life. You should be shouting it from the rooftops. You should be saying, look, this is what I used to be, and this is what I am now. This is where I used to go. This is where I go now. This is what I used to do. This is what I do now. Don't be embarrassed of it. Be, be excited about it because it's what Jesus set you free from.
Amen. The miracle of a transformed life. Bow your heads, please. Close your eyes. Nobody talking. Nobody looking around, praying. Intercessors pray tonight. I want to believe tonight for God to touch some people. I believe that for every service, that God would touch people, that nobody would leave this place the way they came in, that they would leave transformed, that they would leave touched in their physical bodies, that their minds would be arrested by the Holy Spirit, that, that any demonic forces of darkness in your life would flee tonight, that you'd be set free and delivered and changed like that man you saw in that picture. God's got, an, God's got a, an ordination for you tonight. He's got a date with you tonight. He's called you into this place to fix whatever needs to be fixed, to heal whatever needs to be healed, to deliver you from whatever you need to be delivered from. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe you've got a physical ailment in your body tonight that you need healing from. Let God touch you tonight. Let him touch you tonight. Father, I pray as we're praying tonight that every spirit of darkness would be contained right now. That every spirit of the enemy would be destroyed right now. Every work of the devil is destroyed right now in Jesus' name, Father. I take authority right now over every force of darkness. I take authority over every spirit of witchcraft. I take authority over every spirit of darkness, every spirit of pain, every spirit of anger, every spirit of unforgiveness. I pray healing tonight, Father, in this place. I pray for miraculous change in our hearts. Pray for addictions to be broken, Jesus. Lord, I pray that no spirit tonight can control anybody any longer. No spirit can oppress anybody in this place any longer. Father, it is not by our might, it is not by our power, but it's by your spirit, says the Lord God of hosts. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over this place tonight, how many could say, Pastor, I am not saved, I am not born again, I've never given Jesus Christ my life, and tonight I want to give it to him, I want to surrender to him right now, say, that's me, just put your hand up and put it right back down, I am not saved, remember me right now as we pray. I don't know Jesus. I don't know the Lord as my Lord and Savior. Tonight, maybe you're here and, and you know the Lord, but you, you're saying, man, I, I feel like there's some things in my life.